Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 222 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where together with my colleagues, we provide advice to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. Now in this week's episode of the podcast, I'm bringing you an update on holiday and holiday pay. Now you may think, what are you going on about, Alison? More holiday cases, more holiday things to consider. Well, I'm pleased to say that the latest change in the law should make things a lot easier for you. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I was saying, today's episode features holiday and holiday pay. And I want to just take you back to episode 202 of the podcast back in March of last year when I covered the case, which was known as Harper versus Brazel. Um, So it was known as the Brazel case. And that was a Supreme Court decision in relation to holiday pay and holiday entitlement for those employees who work part of the year. Now, as a result of that case, and if you listen to the episode, the outcome of it was that regardless of the number of hours you work, or regardless of the number of months that you worked in the year, you were entitled to the 5.6 weeks holiday. Now, of course, this caused some issue for people in relation to their understanding about holiday, but also a bit of inequitability in relation to those people who worked part year. Now, what's happened is following a consultation, there has been a change in the law. And this takes effect from the 1st of April 2024. And as I was saying in the introduction, hopefully, when you get your head around it, it will make things a lot easier for you. So as I say, the change in the law makes a change to the working time regulations. And it is effective from the 1st of April. So it starts for those employers who have leave years beginning on or after the 1st of April. So that means you can start following the new rules. For example, if your holiday year starts on the 1st of April, you can start from then. If your holiday year starts on the 31st of December or the 1st of January 2025, you can start the new rules from that date. So it is running from the start of your new leave year. But it's important that you take this into consideration now for a couple of reasons. First of all, you might need to make changes to your systems and processes. But also, you may look to make changes to your employees' contracts. Now, this would be a significant change to contract terms for those that it applies to. And I'll talk a bit more in detail about that shortly once we've gone through the changes. But if your employees have a contractual right set out in their employment contracts or in another document which is contrary to the law, then if it's more beneficial to them, the contractual terms prevail. So you will need to make a change. So what exactly are the changes? Well, the changes to the working time regulations bring in new rules in relation to 
both irregular hours workers and part-year workers. So a worker is an irregular hours worker if the number of paid hours that they will work in each pay period during the term of their contract is wholly or mostly variable. So that means those people who don't have fixed hours basically and that includes zero hours employees. If someone has fixed hours whether that be full-time or part-time then they don't fall under these new rules. The old rules apply. Uh, So if they are irregular hours so zero hours or some other arrangement that means that their hours change during each uh, pay period so if it's monthly during each month the hours vary then they would be considered to be an irregular hours worker. The second category of worker is part year workers. So that's people who are only required to work part of the year, as it might suggest. So there are periods within the year during the term of their contract where they have at least a week where they're not required to work. So this includes people who may have fixed hours during the rest of the time, but aren't then required to work for a period. So for example, teaching assistants who only work during term time and who are paid only when they're working. Now, it won't apply in relation to those people like teachers, for example, who work part of the year but are paid all year round. So it's only those people who, for example, work term time and are only paid when they're working. So irregular hours worker and part time workers. Now, what has happened is there has been a new regulation 15B added to the working time regulations, if you're interested in looking it up. So this means now that holiday entitlement for those workers, so irregular hours workers or part year workers, can be calculated in hours and not weeks. And it's based on the actual hours that they've worked in a pay period using the 12.07% calculation that many people were using before and which the Brazel case decided that wasn't uh, lawful anymore. So 12.07%. 0.7% is on the basis of the statutory minimum leave of 5.6 weeks. So what you do is you calculate for each pay period, if they work weekly or two weekly or monthly, how many hours they've worked, you calculate 12.07% and that gives you the amount of holiday in hours that they've accrued in that pay period. Now, if you have more holiday than the statutory minimum, then you need to work out what the percentage is in relation to that. The way in which you calculate the percentage for holiday entitlement that exceeds the 5.6 weeks is to take the number of weeks holiday that they're entitled to. So for example, if it's six weeks that you offer instead of 5.6, and then you would divide six by 46, and that gives you 0.1304. You times that by 100 and that gives you 13.04%. So basically you divide the number of weeks holiday by the remaining number of weeks of work. So you would do the same calculation 7 divided by 45 for example if you gave 7 weeks holiday. Now of course the very minimum you can give is 5.6 weeks and therefore the percentage that you use to calculate holiday for irregular hours workers and part-year workers is 12.07%. Now, by way of an example of how to calculate how much holiday is accrued in that month, for example, you divide the number of hours worked in the pay period by 100. So if they have worked 
68 hours, you divide that by 100 and that gives you 0.68. Then you multiply that answer by 12.07, which is the percentage, and that gives you 8.2076. So you round that up or down to the nearest hour. So 8.2076 hours accrued in that month will become eight. So that person will have accrued eight hours holiday for working 100 hours in that month. And in addition to the new method of calculating holiday, you can also stipulate for irregular hours and part-year workers that they can only take holiday once it has accrued. Now you will recall that the rules prior to the change in the law were that you could only require an employee to accrue leave before taking it in their first year of their employment. That is still the case in relation to those employees who have fixed hours and who don't fall under this regulation 15b. But for those that do, you can stipulate that they can only take holiday once it's accrued. Now, the other very helpful thing that's happened in relation to the change in the law is that employers can now use rolled up holiday pay for those irregular and part year workers. Again, you may recall me talking about rolled up holiday pay or you might have heard about rolled up holiday pay in the past and how it was common practice for many people to use it in relation to particularly zero hour contracts or seasonal workers but it was technically unlawful. Now under the new rules for leave years beginning on or after the 1st of April 24 you can now state that you will pay rolled up holiday pay rather than paying that employee when they actually take their holiday. So what this means is you can calculate the holiday accrued each month if they're paid monthly at the 12.07%. Then you can pay them for that. So if in that month, as we're talking about, they accrued eight hours leave, you could then pay them for that eight hours leave at the end of the month in their normal pay. It would need to be clearly marked as a separate holiday payments on their pay slip so that it's clear to the individual what's pay for work and what's pay for holiday accrued and you can pay them it rather than taking the leave and then being paid at that time. Now they would still be entitled to take that time and you should ensure that anybody working is continuing to have regular breaks but you can pay them for that holiday so that they're not actually paid when they take that holiday time off. Now, this works really well, in my view, for those employers who use zero hour contracts in the way that they're designed to be used. That is for people who are genuinely casual workers. So those people who maybe fill in every now and then, or perhaps they only work for a season, or if yours is a business which only requires staff at certain times, then it works really well because really those individuals aren't interested in actually taking holiday and being paid for that holiday during the time in which they're working because it's so irregular and they have other time off. Where I think you need to exercise caution is if you use zero hour contracts for people who work for you on a regular basis. So you might stipulate in the contract that their hours are irregular and therefore they don't have any guarantee of hours. But if you're in a situation where people are doing the same hours week in, week out, but their contract doesn't reflect that, and then you pay them rolled up holiday pay, and they're not taking their leave, 
because they're concerned that when they do take leave they won't get paid then that could cause you difficulty in my view. So it may be the time when you're reviewing your holiday rules and procedures and contracts to really think about the zero hour contracts or no guaranteed hours contracts that you provide to employees. So you don't have to do rolled up holiday pay for your irregular hours and part year workers. You can still stipulate that you will pay them when they take the leave. And if you do it that way, then of course they would just be paid at the average of their 52 weeks earnings as you would have done before. So there's no requirement to use rolled up holiday pay for irregular hours or part year workers, but it's available with agreement with the employees if you wish. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that for your existing staff, whether you have your current holiday arrangement set out in writing or not, if you wanted to change the way in which you are A, dealing with the accrual of holiday, B, change the way in which you're calculating holiday entitlement and C, give them rolled up holiday pay, you would need to make a change to the contract terms. Now, because this is a fundamental change, potentially to the detriment of the employees, depending on what their contracts currently state or what your current arrangements are, then you would need to seek their agreement to make that change. Now, it may be, as I said before, with some zero hour contracts or seasonal workers, they don't have a problem with it. And actually, they might find it more beneficial to them to get that extra pay every month or every week, depending on how they're paid. So it might be that that's an easy change to make. But as I said, for those people who work regularly and who may feel the impact of the change, both in terms of the percentage calculation of entitlement or the fact that they have to accrue it before they take it or even rolled up holiday pay, it may be more difficult. So I do think you need to consider the changes very carefully and how you're going to implement them and have a discussion with those employees and start a consultation if you do need to make those changes. Now, it might be that you think, actually, we only need to change these for new staff and we'll stick with the old arrangements for our previous or existing staff, in which case you can do that. Of course, no problem. You just need to ensure that you're updating both your holiday policy and your contract terms to reflect that for new staff and obviously notifying any managers or payroll of how things are being dealt with. So you can have a system within your organisation where you do have irregular hours workers who are on the previous arrangement and then some new ones who are on the new law arrangements in relation to the 12.07% and potentially rolled up holiday pay. Now the final point that I wanted to bring to your attention in relation to the changes are that from the 1st of January the law has very clearly now set out what must be included for employers when calculating the normal rate of pay when somebody takes holiday. Now again you may recall from previous podcasts or you might have read about it that a series of EU case law and domestic case law determined that when somebody takes holiday they should be paid the same on holiday as they would if they were at work. The idea being that it isn't precluding people from taking holiday because they're not going to get paid the same. And now this has been set out at regulation 13 of the working time regulations so that 
in the four weeks of normal holiday pay. So that's the four weeks that were set out originally in law as holiday entitlement, which was then increased to by 1.6 to 5.6 weeks. So it only applies really to the four weeks of leave that were the original four weeks set out in law. And that is you must include things like commission, anything that's intrinsically linked to the performance of tasks which a worker is contractually obliged to carry out, payments relating to professional or personal status, other payments such as overtime, which have been regularly paid to a worker in the 52 weeks preceding the calculation date. So basically, it's any of those regular payments related to their employment that they receive in their pay normally. They have to be included when you're calculating what you pay someone when they take their holiday. And you do that by calculating the average of the 52 weeks before they take their holiday. Now, it does only apply by law to the four weeks of normal holiday pay, but many employers have been applying the calculation to the full 5.6 weeks, merely because from an administrative point of view, it's much easier to do that. And rather than sort of stipulating what is part of the four weeks and what is going to be the 1.6 weeks paid at their basic pay. So as an organisation, you would need to take a view on this if you haven't already and how you're going to do it. If you do decide to pay different rates between the four weeks and the 1.6 weeks, then you would need to set that out in your holiday policies and ensure that's very clear to employees and how you've dealt with that. And the final point I want to make is in relation to the carryover of leave. So from the 1st of January, workers can normally carry over a maximum of eight days into the next leave year with the agreement of their employer. It can be more if their entitlement exceeds the legal minimum. So if they have more than the 5.6 weeks, you can agree more than the eight days. But of course, you don't need to agree it it's entirely up to you if that's something that you want to do. Now, when somebody takes family leave, so such as maternity leave, adoption leave, paternity leave, etc., they can carry forward a maximum of 28 days, so the full entitlement. If, however, they are absent for sickness reasons and they're not able to take their leave, can carry over up to 20 days as long as it's taken within the 18 months period starting from the end of the leave year in which it was accrued. So they have 18 months in which to take that leave and they can only carry over up to 20 days rather than the 28 days that applies in relation to family leave. Helpfully, the government have set out full guidance and some worked examples on the .gov website. I'll put a link to the details in the show notes as it sets out all the information that you may need. But to summarise, the key and critical point to note is that if you have irregular hours or part-year workers, you should review now how you're going to deal with their holiday entitlement, their holiday accrual and how you pay them from your next holiday year. Noting, of course, that if you're going to make a change for those people who have a contractual entitlement 
currently that you would need to consult with them and seek their agreement to make the change. If you have any questions about this, because holiday is always really complex, certainly gets our solicitors tied in knots about holiday calculations, etc., then please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can contact me directly by email. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk or you can phone our head office. The number's 01983-897-003 and you can speak to us and arrange an appointment for a callback where we can talk you through it specifically in relation to your organisation and how it applies to your employees. If you're an employee listening to this and you're not sure about your rights and what you need to do, then of course, please don't hesitate to get in touch and we'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. I hope that you found it helpful and I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice. 